0: Well, good morning, and welcome to Northridge. Thank you so much for being here. For those of you here in Plymouth, for those of you at our regional campuses, and even watching all around the world online, it's just great to have you here as we continue in this series called Chapter 29. And if you're a guest, special welcome to Northridge. Hope you won't feel like an outsider, because this is a place where we want everyone to feel like they're welcome, they're accepted, and they're valued. And I t- recently, I-, I got to experience a brand new adventure. Um, uh, something I had never done before, never really thought I would get to do, and yet, you know, here it is. I got to take the adventure, and I have to tell you, it was awe-inspiring. But it also works out to be the perfect illustration to help us come to grips with the truth of this weekend's talk. And so, my adventure involves the oldest form of survivable, survivable human flight. blah. Human flight. And I say survivable human flight because ever since man's been on this planet, they've been throwing each other off mountains. It's just you don't survive at the end of that. So you fly for a short time and splat. So uh, the oldest form of flight that we can survive, I got to participate in. And our video team was there to capture it so we could share it with you. So here we are hoping that we'll be able to take off in these hot air balloons in a few minutes. They're laying them out right now. They just hauled the baskets out of the truck and they're making preparations and we'll be able to take off because being down here is great, but if you can go up there, why wouldn't you do it, right? This is Ted, he's our pilot. I'm putting my life in his hands and uh, tell us what you're doing right now, Ted.
1: Well. What we're doing right now is we pick the launch spot depending on which direction that we would like to travel because hot air balloons travel with the wind. We don't have a steering wheel like an airplane or like a car, we have to climb and descend in the wind currents to get our direction of flight. This balloon is 90,000 cubic feet and it's about eight stories tall. So we'll put a flame in this balloon that's about 15 feet tall and about a foot and a half in diameter. We shoot the flame in, we heat that air It heats the hot air inside the balloon hotter than the outside air and then the balloon will rise up and stand up. So, no hot air, no flight. No hot air, no flight. (laughs) I keep wondering why I don't float away. I'm so filled with hot air. It's just crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So I've never
0: been in a hot air balloon and um, you've been doing this some 40 years. So, what in the world's it like?
1: It's amazing the view that you'll get this will be something that you'll do and you'll remember this for the rest of your life. You will go up and you'll experience things that you've never ever experienced. I think one of the hardest things for you is gonna be that tomorrow when people say, what's it like? The only word you're gonna be able to come up with is it's awesome, it's beautiful, but to try to sit there and explain to someone how it works and what it's like, they gotta experience it for themselves.
0: They've got this thing filling up with hot air. and So we're getting ready to go, this is fun. It's like,
1: it's rocky. Hey guys, we're up. Okay, wave. Hey! Thanks a lot for all your help. Thanks a lot crew. Bye. Bye, you see you guys.
0: Well, it oh, already feels different than on the ground. Isn't it cool? Oh, this is fantastic. See
1: how you don't even feel the height. Now we're above the trees. If you were in a ladder, your knees would be shaking. Got to keep it full, got to keep it hot. Yep.
0: And so we're flying. I mean, it's like, it doesn't feel like we're flying. doesn't feel like anything's different, but everything's different.
1: See how nice and calm, and there's oh, this no is wind, awesome. there's no noise, it's just very relaxing. The height to which you fly demands the amount to which you're filled,
0: and that's a, that's a really big yeah. issue. Oh, it's beautiful, and I, I'm a water guy. I just love lakes, and it's like this.
1: Hello! Hey, we got it at the dollar store. <laughs> can you tell us which way to Paris? <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> it's amazing how how far you can
0: see. Detroit over there, Southfield—it's crazy. It's just an amazing deal. This is Walled Lake. That's a perspective.
1: <laughs> if you stay in the balloon, you'll always be safe.
0: Great. Did you hear what he said? If you stay in the balloon, you'll always be safe.
1: Did you hear that? Yeah. yeah serious always. business, dude.
0: This is obviously 96, right in front of me. And then you can see the sun. All the things going on down there, all these people living below us they have absolutely no idea the experience they're missing. It's just crazy. It is absolutely amazing how that is a metaphor of the Christian life.
1: I always have to say this. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ after seeing all of these things... There you go. Man. How can you not believe? That's exactly right. That's awesome. <laughs> there you go. The beginning...
0: You feel the wind and you feel the rough. It's hard, it's something you haven't done before, but as soon as that balloon releases, you experience a whole new world. And I have to tell you, that's what we offer people with Jesus. It's awesome. Anyway, the sunset's perfect because this is the sunset of my experience, the first experience I've had with a hot air balloon.
1: Yeah, that was cool.
0: It was a lot of fun. We as human beings are created in the image of God to live meaningful, significant, and fulfilling lives. I mean, that's how we're created. But let's be honest, many of us wouldn't define our lives that way. And the truth is, without Jesus in us, we don't experience any of those things we were designed to to experience. We don't fulfill our potential. It's like an eight-story balloon without hot air in it. You saw it at the end of that video. It's just sprawled on the ground. It's there, designed to fly, made to fly, only experiences its value when it's flying, but there it is on the ground, basket turned upside down. It's just wasted potential. Well, the same is true for us. I mean, without Jesus in us, his power and his presence we we are just wasted potential and I know every single one of us knows what it's like to feel like there's just got to be more to life we we were created for so much more what's what's missing what's missing is Jesus in us because Jesus in us changes everything it changes our perspective it changes our experience. It changes what we can accomplish in this world but without him we're just stuck on the ground wasted potential existing, and sadly, that's where most people are, but they don't have to be, and this explains the opening passage of the book of Acts. We started this series last weekend, chapter 29, and we give our talks away online, and if you missed it, I hope you'll catch up, but we we only got halfway through the first verse, so we're going to move through the opening passage, the first five verses, and this illustration explains The meaning of what Jesus did here. Starting with verse 1, it says, In my former book, Theophilus, we saw what that was about last weekend, I wrote about all Jesus began to do and to teach. That's where we stopped. Now all knew, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, speaking about all the abuse he took and then his ultimate death and burial, he presented himself to them. After he had died and been buried, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was no longer dead, he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. The, the story of the resurrection didn't happen because a couple of people had a one-off experience after a great Mexican meal. This wasn't one of those delusional experiences. For 40 days he presented himself and he spoke about the kingdom of God on one occasion. While he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. This is really interesting. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit, totally immersed in the Holy Spirit. But did you see what Jesus said in that passage? He said, don't leave Jerusalem, wait. That doesn't square. Because all the way through his ministry, he says... I'm teaching you to go, I'm teaching you to go, I'm teaching you to go. And then just before he moves, he says, go into all the world and teach. Go into all the world. This is what I've been discipling you for. This is what I've been training you for. This is what I've been preparing you for. And now I'm getting ready to go. Preparation done. Go to Jerusalem and wait. It doesn't make sense unless you understand that next phrase. I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Why wait? Why wait? After they're fully prepared, why wait? Because without God's spirit in them, no matter how prepared they were, no matter how much they knew, they would fail. They needed a spirit. Just like a balloon can be perfectly created to fly and be laying on the ground without hot air so we can be everything we're supposed to be and still not experiencing the life we're supposed to experience until God's spirit is in us. Here's the truth I want you to see this weekend, Jesus in us is our only hope, it's the only source of hope, Jesus in us, you see when God created us out of the dust of the ground, it then says he breathed life into us, of course he did, did you know pneuma, the, the Greek word for spirit is, is breath, it's Wind, when God breathed into us, he was breathing his spirit into us. That's what gave us life. That's how we were able to live. And when we sinned against God, that life force left us. And though our heart still beats, we, like the balloon, are just wasted potential on the ground until we experience his breath again, his spirit in us again. Jesus in us is our only source of hope. Look at Colossians 1.27. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious, glorious riches of this mystery. And what's the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. It's not about you being in church. It's not about you being in religion. It's not about you knowing everything there is to know about Christ. It's about Christ in you. Christianity is not lived with greater knowledge, Christianity is lived with a different spirit inside, the spirit of Christ. And that's when everything changes. We live in a world where everyone is looking for hope, but few are finding it because they're looking for it in the world. Hey, if I can get a great career, then I'll have hope and joy and life and peace. Hey, if my dreams come true, then I can do that. If God answers my prayer and my circumstances are changed, if I can get financial security or if I can get this or if I could get a, a spouse, and then after we get the spouse, if I can get a different spouse, right? That's, I mean, all these things we do, then I'll have life and then I'll have hope. But you'll never find hope in the world. You'll always find disappointment because the world's hope is at best adrenaline and it's short-lived and it's temporary. But when you have God's spirit in you, you have a hope that's eternal. Here's what you need to know. You'll never find hope in this world. But you can find hope in Jesus. Hope lives in us, not in the world. And so you ask, wow, how is it possible for Jesus to live in us? That's weird. How does he live in us? Well, he lives in us by his spirit. Jesus takes up residence in our lives. He indwells us in the form of his spirit. Look at how the Bible says it in Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 10. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. He says, you're no longer living and ground level. You're no longer just lying here wasting your potential when you were made to live and soar and fulfillment, but, but you are in the realm of the spirit if indeed, he says, the spirit of God lives in you. A lot of people say the spirit of God lives in them. A lot of people say Jesus lives in them, but, but that's, that's not the point. If indeed the spirit lives in you, you are not living wasted existence. You are soaring and living the fulfilled and meaningful and purposeful life that Jesus gave you. And then he, he, he goes forward and he says, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ in them, they do not belong to Christ. So many people are praying, oh God, baptize me in the spirit. Oh God, give me the spirit. Oh God, give me this. If you have trusted Jesus, you have God's spirit in you. And if you don't have God's spirit in you, you have not trusted Jesus. You see, Jesus gives us new life. That new life comes because the breath of God, the Spirit of God, once again fills us with Jesus on the inside. And if you don't have that, then you don't have Jesus at all. And then it goes even further. It says that that they do not belong to Christ, but if Christ is in you, and you notice now, now he's not calling it the Spirit of Christ, he's saying Christ in you, Jesus takes up residence in us by his Spirit. When his Spirit is in us, Jesus is in us. Do you see this? He says so, but if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, even though you're flawed, you're failed, filled with guilt and shame, even though you've lived tragic choices and you've messed up everything, even though you're broken to bits and wasting on the ground like a balloon that's not filled with hot air, he says, if, if the spirit of Christ is in you, that spirit gives you life because of righteousness, you can still live and find meaning and value. You can still soar. Jesus takes up residence in our lives by His Spirit. Every single one of us is looking for fullness in life because we know we were made for that. We, we know we were made for more. We weren't made to just exist, to breathe, and to die. We were made for something bigger than that, and yet we look for it in the wrong things. We think in the things we do, and the things we have, and the things we accomplish. That's where we'll find, ultimately, fullness of life. But have you noticed... No matter what you do, no matter what you own, no matter what you accomplish, you can still feel hollow and empty. Have you noticed that? That's because it it, it doesn't come from without. The fullness of life, and you need to know this, the fullness of life that all of us long for flows from being filled with God's Spirit. The fullness of life flows from being filled with God's Spirit. Look what Jesus said in John 7, 37 through 39. On the last and greatest day of a festival he was at, Jesus stood and shouted. He said in a loud voice, he he must have been very serious about this, and he says, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. You need to know Jesus doesn't want us to be thirsty, to be hungry, to always be looking for more, to be living as if the whole world's passing by and we're not experiencing it. Jesus doesn't want us to watch life go by in the sky and us be at ground level, wasting our potential. Jesus doesn't want you to be living in longing unfulfilled He says, if anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink because whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. If you're thirsty, come to Jesus and Niagara Falls will start flowing from within and all that fullness is in there. And how does that happen? By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. When the spirit of God lives in us, filling us, we experience the fullness of life. Too many of us are looking outside into this world to other things to try and find fullness of life, and that's where we'll find just more and more emptiness and hollowness. What we have to do is start looking to let Jesus' spirit more in us so that we can experience those rivers of living water. The book of Acts makes it so clear how vital God's spirit is to living the Christian life. You cannot live the Christian life apart from God's Spirit filling you. All you can do is try to do one more thing and fail at it. I'm going to try and get some joy, I'm going to try and get some peace, I'm going to try and get some hope, I'm going to try and get some love. I'm going to try and forgive you. And this is why we keep trying and failing, because we can't live like Jesus, but Jesus can live like Jesus in us if we'll let him. The fullness of the Spirit, that's important, that's why Jesus says, you're all ready, you've got all the knowledge you've needed. you've seen everything you've need, you're all developed, you're prepared, here's your degree certificate to go out and be my disciple, but right now, go to Jerusalem and wait, because until you have the Spirit of God, you can't do anything. And then, the book of Acts tells us that it's vital that we have the Spirit to live the Christian life, because in, in this book about living the Christian life, the Spirit of God is mentioned 57 times. It's a book with 28 chapters and the Spirit's mentioned 57 times. Do you think it might be important? Yeah. In fact, let me tell you, the unbelievable work of God in and through the people of God of that day in 28 chapters was only written because of the Spirit of God in them. And the only way, chapter 29, the, the chapter we're writing for the book of Acts with God working through us is going to be compelling or worth telling in the future is if we let the Spirit of God... Fill us and use us today. This is a big deal. You need to know, all of us do. I need to remind myself continually because I forget, apart from God's spirit, we can't know or understand the things of God. We can't know or understand. And look at what the Bible says at 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. However, as it's written, what no human eye has seen, what no human ear has heard, what no human mind can conceive, you know... The things God has prepared for those who love him. And we can't even conceive it. We can't even figure it out. We can't understand the things of God. It says these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. If you're having a hard time figuring out God, it only makes sense. He's God, you're not. It's like the ant trying to figure out the human. And I'm not talking about Aunt Sally or Aunt Sue. I'm talking about an ant with six legs. You can't figure out God, but God knows himself, and if he places his spirit in you, he can reveal himself to you, and that's when it starts opening up. Would you stop trying to be big enough to understand God, and would you just open your life to the God who wants to reveal himself to you? It'll change everything. Apart from God's spirit, we can't do anything but fail we can do nothing but fail without his spirit look at john 15 5 these are the words of jesus he says i'm the vine i'm the source of life you're you're the branches you know branches don't have life without the vine and he says so here's how it works if you remain in me and i in you and remember this is what happens when his spirit is in us i mean if if he remains in us and we remain in him if we remain full of the spirit of god look what it says you will bear much fruit i mean your life will be productive you'll be soaring like that balloon but Apart from me, you can do, and would you say that word with me? I don't know about you, but every day I try and do a lot of things apart from him. But apart from him, I can do nothing. I'm just sprawled out on the floor like that balloon without hot air in it. Even seemingly minor spiritual things, we can't do without him. Many of us try to read the Bible without the spirit. All we do is fail. We, we misunderstand it. We misapply it. Have you ever heard people using the Bible in destructive ways? I mean, used it to, they use it to support racial discrimination. They use it to support hatred and violence. They use it to support all these things. How do they do that? Because when you try and understand God's word without God's spirit, you're going to fail. And we, try and we try and pray without God's spirit. This is why our prayers are so messed up. I don't know about you, but I'm always praying for God to give me the things that I believe will expand the fullness of my life. Do you ever do that? Boy, God, if you give me a job or you do this, you let this dream come true, man, my life will be great. No, it won't. The only thing we really need is to fully release him in us. And then we've got rivers of flowing water flying through us. And so we, we, we don't even pray in a successful way without his spirit. And then this one last thought, because Jesus in us is our only source for hope, and we're all looking for hope. The, you just need to know the character and the quality of our lives are determined by what fills us. The character and quality of our lives are literally determined by what fills us. If you take the balloon thing again, the hot air balloon, if if only cold air fills that balloon, what's the character and quality of that thing? It's just worthless. But the minute you start pumping hot air into that thing, man, And that's what our life is like. What fills us determines the character and quality of our lives. And, And the Bible says it. I mean, it says it straight up, and it says it in very real terms. I want to read you the passage, Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 19. It starts with those of us who are not filled with God's spirit, not not experiencing Jesus in in us, the hope of glory, but instead we're filled with ourselves, the acts of the flesh. We're, We're just living on our own power, our own energy, apart from the breath of God in us. And it says the acts of the flesh are obvious. See, if these don't define our world, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, just kind of that whole trying to find spirituality without God, the occult and all that, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, that just describes me yesterday, you know? (laughs) Dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Of course they won't. Because, you see, how can you inherit God's kingdom where God reigns if you don't let God reign in you? Do you see it? And when we try to function in life, this life that was designed for us to know fullness and the beauty of all God intended, to soar above what most broken people are doing in life, though they too can soar, what happens is it's because we're living without the Spirit of God in us. All this junk happens in our relationships, in our world, in our life, in our churches because we're functioning without the breath of God in our lives. But it says, starting in 22, the fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit is filling you, your life is filled with love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. It's what we're all looking for. Do you notice it doesn't say you have to work hard to find love and joy and peace and kindness, and you don't have to work hard for it. What you have to do is let it in. Jesus is those things, and when you're full of his spirit, you are filled with these things. This is so important. Let me give you some examples from the book of Acts. Look at Ananias, Ananias. He and his wife, Sapphira, we're watching people who were being unbelievably generous with their finances, actually selling their homes and giving the profits of it to, to meet the needs of, of hurting people. And they were being celebrated by everybody. And Ananias and Sapphira said, man, we want to be celebrated like that. You know, we want a plaque on the wall with our name on it. We want a seat with our name engraved in it. We, we Yeah, this is what we want. So they came up with a plan. We'll sell our house just like those other people did. We'll keep... The proceeds, most of them for ourselves or part of them for ourselves. And then we'll give the rest of the church, which is a good thing, right? They didn't have to sell their house. But then they said, but we'll tell them we gave all the proceeds from the sale to the church. And what will they do? They'll celebrate us. There'll be a plaque on the wall. They'll applaud us. This will be awesome. What were they looking for? They were looking for happiness, joy, fulfillment, and hope from without. And it didn't work. And look what Peter says in Acts 5.3. Peter said, Ananias, how, how is it that Satan has so, what's that word? Filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit. What was he filled with? The evil, deceptive thoughts of the evil one. And it caused him to do all kinds of harm. His heart was filled with the wrong crap. The religious leaders in the book of Acts, same thing. Look at Acts 5.17 and 18. Then the high priest and all of his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees, that was the the sect of the Jews who didn't believe in the supernatural, but they were in leadership in Israel. These religious leaders were filled with jealousy. Why? Well, because, see... uh, the apostles were filled with god's spirit and so they were soaring like a hot air balloon i mean they that god was working in them and through them they were experiencing the fruit of the spirit you know love joy peace alongside all this stuff i mean they were flying high god was working through them they were writing chapter after chapter in the book of acts about what god can do through their lives and the people their lives were being changed they were following them and and the jewish leaders here were jealous We want people to follow us. We want people to listen to us. We want our lives to be like that. They were filled with jealousy. And so they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. Why? Because they could. (laughs) You know what we do when we're empty and other people are flying high? We want to do everything we can to discredit them, to pull them down to our level, don't we? They're flying in the balloon, so we want boom, 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 boom with our little bazookas because... We'll be happier if they're miserable. But it doesn't make us happy at all. And then there was Stephen in the book of Acts. Let me just read a couple of verses, beginning with verse 55 about him. But Stephen wasn't filled with jealousy and wasn't filled with Satan, but full of the Holy Spirit. He was filled with God's Spirit, Jesus in him, the hope of glory. He looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I mean, he was, I mean because he was filled with the Spirit of God, he was traveling in spiritual realms because he was filled with the spirit of god he had insight into god and and god was doing things in him that he couldn't do before and you'd think wow he must be on a mountaintop things must be going great he's filled with the spirit of god he's seeing jesus standing up in his throne man i wish i could be him you know what was happening in this moment they were killing him he wasn't getting a new house all of his prayers weren't being answered everything wasn't going well His dreams weren't coming true. His life was being stoned out of him. But he was full of the Spirit. And look at what he prayed. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knew that he was just stepping into the presence of Jesus. And then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. He was forgiving those who were killing him. How does someone do that? By letting Jesus live in them. Because isn't that what Jesus did? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. If you have a hard time with forgiveness, if you have a hard time with joy, if you have a hard time with peace, if you have a hard time with any of the characteristics you know you long for, if you can't find hope, it's simply because you're filled with the wrong thing. And know this, we're all filled with something. And that's something either deflates us or fills us up. So let me ask this question. What's filling your life today? Because that's determining the character of your life. What's filling your life today? Because that's determining the quality of your life. So let me give you this application. If we want to know and experience hope, if we want to live these lives that we long for, then we have to open our lives... To the only source. The only source, which is Jesus. He's it. Revelation 3.20, these are words spoken to uh, one of the early churches. And though they had experienced the promise and power of Jesus, though they had written a wonderful portion of what came down in the book of Acts, though they had experienced God in amazing ways, at this time they weren't. And and Jesus shows up and he says, here I am, you're looking for me, you're wondering where I've gone, here I am. I stand at the door of your life and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person and they with me. Here were people who had followed him, who had trusted him, who had experienced forgiveness, but now he's knocking on the door. And if he's knocking on the door of their lives, if he's knocking on the door of their church community, what does that mean about his location? He's outside. And if Jesus is on the outside, you will not experience what only Jesus can give you, hope and love. You'll experience the crap instead of the beauty. That's just how it works. We have to open our lives to him. He's what we're looking for. If you never get what you long for most in this world, but you are filled with Jesus, you will never long for that which you never got. But if you get everything you long for in this world, and you don't experience Jesus in you, you will be empty and hollow and miserable. You'll never live. We need him in us. And it begins with, it's for all of us, but it begins with salvation begins when we first experience the forgiveness of Jesus and for those of you who've already experienced the forgiveness of Jesus, I want you to hang with me here because when Jesus said I'm standing and knocking, he was talking to you and I have a, a point of application that I think can help change the way you're experiencing Jesus but before we get there, you need to know if you're going to open the door of Jesus' hope into your life, it begins with salvation. In the very first sermon of the very first church in Acts chapter 2 verse 38, Peter replied... Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Spirit of Christ that takes up residence in us and gives us new life, the life that was lost when we sinned. And so, what we have to do is we have to repent. We have to turn from what we've been trusting in our lives, from what we've been worshiping, from from our sin and our guilt and shame, and we need to turn in faith to Jesus who died for our sin and was buried, but then rose again so that he could live in us. And then we start following him. We're baptized, every one of you. And then you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you want life? Then you need to let Jesus in. And so before I give a word of application to all of us, I'm going to ask if you'd just bow with me in a word of prayer for a moment. And as we bow in prayer, you believers, you have something I'm sure to be talking to God about but for those of you who want to take a step of trust just pray with me make my words yours just say Jesus I I am empty and longing for more and I know it's because I'm separated from you you're on the outside of my life I've sinned against you but I confess my sin put my faith in your death burial and resurrection and I'm asking you to forgive me and live in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed with me, I can't encourage you enough, please let me know. We've put together a letter about next steps that you can take in your relationship with God, but we have to know that you prayed with me. So in the program we handed you is this real simple little card. It's a perforated card that says connect on the top. Before you leave, would you just take it off and... Fill it out, and on the bottom, check the appropriate circle on the bottom. One says you prayed for the first time to let Jesus in. Maybe you prayed with me, and you've already trusted him. You're renewing your faith. Check that one, and put it in the boxes outside each of the doors of our our church auditorium here. And the same thing at our regional campus. Right outside the auditorium, our baskets, you can throw that in, or, or containers. And for those of you watching online, just hit the What Next button. We'll do the same thing for you. And so for those of you in one of our campuses, I just want to encourage you, if you want to take a next step, this Friday is an opportunity that we only offer about three, four times a year um, called Discover Northridge. And I actually teach it because it's so important for me to get to know you and hopefully you to get to know what God's doing here. And we talk about what God wants for us and how the church can support us in that and how we try and line that up here. And... And we give a dinner. It's just a really neat time together. So if you'd like to come, like I said, there are only three or four a year. um, All you have to do is sign up online, or you can do it with the program I just showed you, or you can call the church or go to guest services. But I hope I'll see you on Friday night, this Friday night. And we also have Starting Point, which is a starting group that helps you to get to know others who are getting to know God. And great starting place. It starts October 1 and 2, and you can find out about that in the lobby or northridgechurch.com. Here's how I want to end. If we're going to not just start flying, but keep flying, the only way it continues is if we remain filled with God's Spirit. In other words, we have to continue with a life of submission. Um, it was interesting when I was flying in the hot air balloon, it, was, it really was one of the most peaceful things. Now, I, I've jumped out of airplanes with a parachute and now I've been in a hot air balloon. And I'm going to tell you, um, if you're looking for adrenaline, jump out of the airplane. It's a lot more fun. Um, but but when, you, when you're jumping out of an airplane, what you, you, I mean, you're on like sensory overload. You can't even, uh, you know. But then when the chute comes out, it's like, wow, all of a sudden this peaceful, quiet thing. That's what the entire balloon ride's like. This peaceful, quiet thing. Almost. Because you're going along, you're flying along, and you're looking out, and all of a sudden, you hear It's like, what the crap was that? And what he does is he pulls that thing to release the fire into the balloon, because you have to put more hot air to keep it afloat. You have to keep doing it. So I mean, you'd be quiet and all this different stuff. It's like crazy. And then he goes, hey, I want to take you higher. You know? was like, gosh, should have done this in December when it was cold outside. I was like, it's crazy. But that, that's important as a metaphor because, you see, it's not enough to have once been filled with the Spirit of God. We have to continue being filled with the Spirit of God. And that comes through submitting. I, I want to show you what Jesus says in John 14, 23 and 24. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. I mean, they'll submit to my truth, my teaching. They'll submit to my will. Your kingdom come, your will be done. My Father will love them. And, and I love this phrase. We will come to them and make our home with them. As I listen to his word and I submit to it, he, he's making his home in me. But, but anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. They won't submit. And these words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father. Which means we don't get to experience the pleasure of his spirit in us when we're not living in submission. That doesn't mean the Spirit's not there. It means we're not experiencing the fullness of the Spirit in us. Ephesians 5 makes it a little more clear. Verses 17 and 18, Therefore, don't be foolish, you know, don't waste your potential and live below where God created you to live, but understand what the Lord's will is. And then he says, how? Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. I mean, you're all over this thing. You're going, hey, that's awesome. He doesn't say I can't get drunk on beer or strong drink. It's just the wine thing. It's awesome. Scotch man. You know, that kind of deal. But it's not really what it's saying. This isn't saying that you should never let a drop of alcohol touch your lips. It's not saying that. I know you ex-Baptists have a real hard time with this one. I mean... That and dancing, quite frankly. But that's a whole other <laughs> issue. But This is about control. And he's saying, don't be drunk on wine. Why? Because what you're doing is you're surrendering control of your life to something that will lead you to debauchery, to excessive indulgences which will hurt your life. But he says, instead, be filled with spirit. Submit yourself to the control of God's spirit. Why? Because when you're filled with the spirit, the character and quality of your life is totally different. And so we shouldn't surrender control to anything but the spirit of God. That's what it's saying. I mean, moment by moment, we need to go getting rid of self and opening ourselves to the spirit. When someone is drunk, by the way, they're they're easy to spot, aren't they? I mean, you know, that was me yesterday, and uh, no, it wasn't. But but when someone's drunk, they're easy to spot. When someone's under the control of something, they're easy to spot. Can I just tell you, when someone's filled with the Spirit, they're easy to spot. Are you easy to spot? When we place our faith in Jesus, we get all there is of God's Spirit. So many people are asking for more of God's Spirit. (laughs) I'm sorry, He he doesn't come in puzzle pieces. (laughs) When, when, When you get the Spirit, you have all there is of the Spirit. You know what determines whether you're filled with the Spirit or not? Not how much of the Spirit you have, but how much of you He has. See, the problem with the hot air balloon is that it starts getting filled with cold air and it starts coming down. And so you have to put more hot air in it. And, and it's the fact that we start filling ourselves back up, our will, our wants, our dreams. And we start moving the spirit to the side that we start sinking. And we have to keep submitting to the spirit moment by moment by moment. When it says be filled with the spirit, it says it in the present imperative in Greek, which means it's saying be being filled all the time like with a hot air balloon if we want to fulfill our potential then then we have to make sure that we've opened ourselves up to the only source of hope and that's Jesus that we're filled with God's spirit so to be honest I I can't think of a better way to end this service than through a worship-based prayer The prayer I think that each of us should be praying every single day, all day long. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's pray it together.